if you have your Bibles on this New Year's Eve, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, Luke, the 11th chapter, and today I want to give all of us a New Year's conviction and resolution. I pray you will adopt. I asked myself about seven, eight months ago, what does 24, the year 2024, need to um, be about in the lives of my life and others? And I thought, who's your mission? We're going to continue that. There's people to be saved. Our missions, uh, many of them have come to the Lord. And many, many more need the Lord. And I also thought about the ministry of each individual member of First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs. Focusing on, beginning with, intercessory prayer. Being a prayer warrior for others. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to make a commitment this morning that in 2024 you will dedicate daily time to intercessory prayer, praying for others. And it's very um, uh, telling that uh, that's been on my heart, and today we have a family standing much in the need of prayer. I think about Brother Wilford, and I will tell you, he is, as many of you are, as many of you are, and I know it, because we talk about it. He is a man of prayer. Wilford is an intercessor in his private life. And um, he's one I can call on, as of many of you, and say, I need prayer. We need prayer. And now it's time to pray for Will. He needs intercessors now. Prayer is manifold. There's many forms of prayer. And today, we're going to talk about pleading with God on behalf of others, that intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer, one old-timer preacher from two centuries ago said, It is the one power on earth that commands the power of heaven. And the goal of this message today is that you will decide today to be a faithful and persistent intercessor for others. For the souls of others, the salvation of others, for the struggles of others, the burdens that others bear. And our text is Luke 11, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine? In his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he, from within, the friend from within the house, shall answer and say, Trouble me not, you're bothering me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. A miracle is a parable put to works, and a parable is a miracle put to words. And this parable tells us about the miracle 
of prayer. The miracle of prayer is that God lets you and me have a part in His work. That God would say, I want you, you, to have a part in my great work of saving souls, of encouraging the discouraged, of helping the helpless, of ministering to those who need my Holy Spirit. I have given you the opportunity to engage with me in the ministry for others by intercessory prayer. That is a miracle. Not that God needs us, but that He wants us. And it is a glorious ministry to be involved in. And I'm not talking about a organized prayer group, all those that we, we need them. We, we have some and we need them. They're great. But today's challenge is for you as an individual in your prayer closet, in your home, to have a time daily of the ministry of intercessory prayer, to participate with God in His work for others and with others. This parable I read can be very confusing if you look at it as a parable of comparison. This parable is not telling us what God our Father is like. It is telling us what God our Father is unlike, what He's not like. It is a parable of contrast. Travelers often journeyed in the night because they wanted to avoid the great heat of the day. And upon a midnight hour, one of these travelers came to a friend's home. Hospitality in that culture demanded that food, bread, be provided for the traveler upon entrance into the house. But the problem was the poorer homes. They only made enough bread to last a day. That's all they made. That's all they could afford. It's midnight. The next day is commencing. And the bread has been eaten. And so this man was in a great quandary. They made one enough for the day to preserve the ingredients for the next day. This friend had no bread for his friend. And he was in a great quandary. He was sure, though, that he had a friend, another friend, who would have bread. We all have some rich friends. And so during the day, the doors remained open, and you could just walk right into someone's courtyard, and, and uh, they might see you coming on camera and greet you at the door. But at night, the doors were shut, and when it was bedtime, the doors were shut, and the doors that were shut then said, no entrance, we're done, don't knock on my door. Well, my whole family's in one room, all asleep, don't wake us up. But this time, this man had to be disturbed because his poor friend needed bread for a traveling friend. It was above all the inconveniences to have the whole family disturbed at midnight, but the knock was persistent. Who is it? I need some bread. This is Bubba. I need some bread. I'll bring it to you in the morning. I'm asleep. My kids are in here with me. If I get up and go to the Kitchen, I'm going to wake them all up, go away. But he just kept on knocking. You have anybody like that drive you nuts? Huh? Just keep on knocking. Well, this parable is not telling us that God is like that. In verses 11 through 13, we, we find twin parables, these twin parables. And that's telling us more about God. 
He says, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? So he's saying, God's not like that friend who says, Go away, you're driving me crazy. Go away, it's inconvenient. Go away, it's midnight. My door is shut. No, he's, he's telling us what God is not like. And uh, trouble me not. God is not a weary friend who gives out of begrudgingly. What a friend we have in Jesus. He doesn't begrudge our request. He's not a cruel father who gives rocks and snakes to his sons. He's a good heavenly father who wants to hear your prayers and he wants to answer your prayers. The Lord in this parable is teaching us about praying for others. It's called intercessory prayer. Praying, once again, we we emphasize it for the souls of men to be saved. For others whose burdens that we bear. We are commanded to bear one another's burdens. And sometimes the only thing we can do, but always the best thing we can do, is to pray for them. To pray for them. I hate to hear somebody say, and it comes out of my own mouth as well, well, all I can do is pray. All I can do is pray? Are you kidding me? You are bombarding the gates of heaven and moving the hand of God. How powerful is that? Prayer. My friend Leroy Hassler, who's preached here before, Uh, said that there's more you can do than pray, but there's nothing you can do without prayer. And he's exactly right. And so what I want to do in this parable today is give you the marks of an intercessor. If you are already challenged and the Holy Spirit right now is telling you, you need to heed this. You need to dedicate more time to intercessory prayer and be more committed to it. I'm going to tell you what you have to have to do so, to be an intercessor. This parable gives us what we need. First of all, you have to have a sense of the urgent need for those of those who you pray for. You have to sense the urgent needs they have. And how it is always time to pray. Verse 5 says, it was midnight. It was midnight. Folks, if you have a lost friend who's not saved, perhaps your mission, they're lost without Christ. I want to tell you, it's midnight. It's late. They need to be saved now. You need to be interceding for them now. If you have a friend who's bearing a burden, sickness, their health, is gone. Pain, grief, as we experience it today. It is midnight for them. It is urgent. They need intercessory prayer right now. They are struggling. They need your prayer. It's midnight. There is an urgency to the situation. Second of all, you must... Have a Christ-like love in your heart for your friend. This friend took his weary, hungry friend into his home at midnight. But more than that, he took him into his heart. He gave no excuse. He did not say, I do not have any bread. He gave up a night's sleep. He gave up his comfort. He even took the risk of being a nuisance to acquire bread for his friend. The Bible says love seeks not its own. It takes the needs of others and makes them their own. And makes them their own. But sometimes we just don't want to pray. 
We don't want to be um, inconvenienced. We don't want to resist and fight the flesh that repels any notion to be an intercessor. I remember when my children were little, we would pray with them. And I remember two nights in particular. My daughter, when she was a little girl, I put her to bed one night and I said, let's pray together. And I prayed and she prayed. And she said, Lord, thank you and bless daddy and mama. And, and she started praying and then she said, and Lord, take care of you know who. Uh, amen. And then the next night, Lord, bless Mama and Daddy and Grandma and Nana and, and you know who. And then the next night, Lord, and so finally about after about a week of you know who's, I said, Natalie, I have a question for you. When you pray and you say, you know who, who are you talking about? And she said, Daddy, we have too many church members for me to name. And the Lord knows who they are. So I just say, you know who. Amen. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? What a good theology that is. So I just say, well, that's all right, Natalie. That's all right. And then when my son was about five or six years old, we said our prayers, and it was a rainy day. And I said, Wes, you pray. And the little fella started to weep and to cry. And I said, what's the matter? And he said, I need to pray for that man. And I said, what man? He said, that man we saw when we were coming from the store on the side of the road. He's all wet, and he's going to have to find a place to sleep in the rain. I want to pray for him. One of my heroes of days gone by was uh, this man, Williams Jennings Bryan. And uh, he uh, was a great statesman, great American, great Christian, politician, and statesman. He had a daughter named Ruth, and Ruth, uh, you see her picture, that's when she's a grown woman, but when she was a young girl, in his memoirs, um, William Jennings Bryan tells this story about his little girl Ruth. It says, Ruth, when she was about three years old, delivered a prayer which we have always remembered as illustrating at that early age a keen sense of discrimination, as well as indicating a positive opinion. It was in the fall of 1888, and I was away from home campaigning. This is Williams Jenning Bryan. When it came time to go to bed, she was irritated about some happening of the day and refused to say her usual prayer, which went like this. Now I lay me down to sleep and ends with God bless Papa, Mama, Grandma, Grandpa, and all of Grandma Brian's folks. Amen. Her mother tried persuasion along several lines to get her to pray, but she would not pray. Finally, thinking to appeal to her affections, she said, Mama said, Oh, Ruth, poor Papa is away on the train, and he might get hurt, and his little girl will not say a prayer for him. This touched Ruth's heart. She went over to the bed, knelt down, and said, Dear Lord, take care of Papa, but not Mama, not Grandma, and not anybody else. <laughs> well... At that age, you can give them a le little leeway. But at our age, we need to love folks enough to pray for them. 
And when you love them, you will pray for them. Is it the lack of such love that causes your neglect of intercessory prayer? I pray not. True love prays. True love prays. Another mark of an intercessor is a knowledge of your own powerlessness. This man got up in the middle of the night and offered no excuse. He did not say, I cannot help you. I cannot help you. But he says, I cannot help you, but I must help you. I need to get something before I can give something. Did you hear that? I need to get something before I can give something. The strongest love and the strongest desire to pray may be without power. It may be without strength. Willing love may be unable. This makes intercessory prayer the stronger and the more vibrant. Spurgeon said, it takes wisdom to recognize that we need wisdom. Spurgeon said, it takes holiness to recognize that we need holiness. And so if you are powerless, you are exactly where you need to be to be an effective intercessor. If you don't know what to do for somebody or what to say for, to somebody, you are exactly where you need to be to be an effective intercessor, to effectively make prayer for others. If the motto you have in ministry is, I have this gift, I have this ability, you are disqualified. But if the motto you have is, I have nothing, and I am powerless, I can do nothing, you are blessed with the urgency and the necessity of intercessory prayer. Paul said when he was hurting and suffering, and he asked the Lord to remove the thorn, Paul said, and... He said unto me, 2 Corinthians 12, And he said unto me, What glorious words is that God says to him? God speaks to us. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for in weakness, in weakness is my power made manifest. Paul then said, Therefore, I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. I take pleasure in my infirmities, in distresses, in persecutions, in reproaches, in weakness, he said. Paul had the right idea. If we think that we know what to say and what to do and how to help people... That's called pride. But if we know we got to have God's help and we need to talk to God, then I want to tell you what, there's power in that. So to intercede effectively, you have to have a, power, a knowledge of your own powerlessness. We, however, use our powerlessness and our inability as an excuse to not do. But God uses it as His strength. God uses it as His effectiveness. And so intercessory prayer. Preacher, I don't know what to say. You're on good ground. You're on good ground. I've been a pastor for 40 years, and I want to tell you something. I still don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'll run around most of the time with a feeling of inadequacy with the things I have to deal with. 
But I want to tell you what, I have a God who knows exactly what to say, when to say it, how to say it, and who to say it through. And intercessory prayer. If you don't know what to say to somebody, talk to God about it. Well, preacher, I don't know how to talk to God about it. Well, of course you don't. He's God. You think you're somebody that's half deity and, and all? No, you don't know what to say. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul, not Judas, Paul said, the Spirit himself helps our infirmities, our weaknesses, our ignorance, our powerlessness. The Spirit himself helps our infirmities. For we do not know how to pray as we ought to pray. We don't even know what to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with the utterance, we don't know how to speak. And so you want fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you start praying for others. And you'll have the sweet fellowship and partnership with the Holy Spirit of God. A knowledge of your own powerlessness. Don't let that be an excuse. Don't let that discourage you. Let it drive you to intercessory prayer. And God will be with you. And God will answer. And He might even use you as a major factor in His answer. Another thing, you need a resolve to not quit interceding. Don't quit. I think sometimes we have a prayer need and we just pray one time and then go on and forget about it. You ever done that? I'm guilty. But we need to have a resolve. This man behind the closed door in bed, he's not like our Lord. Our Lord doesn't sleep. He, he answer, this man answered out of frustration. This, our Lord doesn't answer out of frustration. He loves us and he loves the souls of men and he loves to hear us and he loves to answer our prayers. He wants us to bear the burdens of others because he bears their burdens. And the lesson in verse 8 is about the intercessor. The word importunity in the King James means shamelessness. The man was asleep with his family. Midnight, late, the door was shut. But with a bold shamelessness, he will provide. The intercessor, his love overcame his shame of waking his friend up, disturbing his family at midnight. He keeps on knocking at the door. The, the, the word indicates constant knocking. Constant, constant. He keeps on with the intercession. I think if, if, if this is a parable and I, 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 it, it's cast alongside, it's a truth cast alongside something that, that can happen. And I imagine if we were in the street that night, we would hear over and over again, I need three loaves. Go to bed. Get out of here. I have a friend in need. I told you I'm asleep. I am powerless to meet the need, but you can meet the need. Wake up and give me what I need. And he keeps on knocking and knocking and knocking. His importunity met the need of the opportunity. See, the shame is not in the consistent intercession. The shame for us is in the no intercession. The shame is not in the asking. The shame is in the not asking. Shame on us if we are not intercessors for others. A resolve to not quit. He kept on and on. I imagine he felt embarrassed. I imagine some timidity might have, might have haunted him somewhat. I imagine as he made his journey to the rich friend's house where there was plenty of bread, he he, he said, oh, man, he's going to be mad at me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be embarrassed at this midnight hour. Oh, no, no. He kept on. He kept on because of his love for his friend. 
His love for His friend. And then, another thing you need if you're going to be an intercessor for others is confidence in God. Confidence in God. Remember, this is a pair about what God is not like. And, and look at verse 9 and 10. That tells us what God is like. And he said, look, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Ask when you have needs. Seek when you need answers. Knock when you need opportunities, you need a change, you need to go in a different direction, and doors are closed, and, and it's present tense, you keep on and you keep on, you don't quit. For everyone that asketh, receives, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Keep on, keep on, until God changes your mind about what you're requesting, or you get your answer. Keep on. The old timers back home used to call this praying through. Praying through. I remember those old farmers back home in South Texas. Right after planting season, it'd be dry down there. And they would come to church on Wednesday night, and they'd get on their knees, and they'd say, Lord, send the rain, send the rain. And the Lord would send the rain, and He'd send more rain, and send more rain, and more rain. And then they would come on Wednesday night, Lord, stop the rain, stop the rain. And so, you just keep on praying through. Do you have a consistent need? A consistent burden? Do you have a friend who has a consistent need or a consistent burden? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But if you do, they need consistent prayer. And I want to tell you, if you know a friend without Jesus, they have a consistent lostness. And if they don't come to Jesus, they're going to die and have a consistent hell and a consistent wrath. They need a consistent prayer until they come to the Lord Jesus and are saved. And so, confidence in God. He will answer. You keep on praying through. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. God will answer. God will bring about a resolution. How long do you need to be an intercessor. How long do you need to pray? Well, an individual needs until the answer comes and the resolution comes. Or, we sang it a moment ago, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, may I thy consolation share till, until, from Mount Pisgah's Lofty height. I view my home, that's heaven, and take my flight, that's you going to heaven. This robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize and shout while passing through the air, sweet, farewell, farewell, sweet our prayer. In other words, that old hymn writer said it in such lofty language. He says, You pray until you go to heaven. You pray till you don't need to pray anymore because you're in heaven. Confidence in God that He'll answer. I know many of you have shared testimony to me about answered prayer. And I want to tell you what God will answer prayer. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. We're going to be back in 2 Samuel a couple of weeks. Well, in January. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to be in 2 Samuel 15 when Absalom rebels against David. And it's an, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a tense time, and David has to flee and, and, and run from his son Absalom, who's trying to kill him and take the throne. And it's an amazing thing. King David, the, the, the giant slayer's running from his boy. And he's running up, and, and um, somebody runs up and says, your favorite counselor, Ahithophel, has betrayed you, and he's siding with Absalom. And David, David prays and says, Oh God, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. And you know what happens? You got to come in here. I'll show you how God answered that prayer. Confidence in God. 
And then along with that, you need to have the expectation of an abundant reward. He will give as many loaves as you need and as your friend needs. Our God will give more. He will be able and He is able to do above all that you ask or think. It's a marvelous thing. When God answers prayer, and you can have an expectation, don't pray without faith. James wrote to us and said, If any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God, who gives abundantly and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let that man ask in faith, Nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed with the wind. Let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. You've got to ask in faith. Now, how do you ask in faith? I want to tell you how you do it. The old hymn tells us how to do it. Trust and obey. You pray, and then you get up and be obedient to the Word of God. And you seize every opportunity you can do to do what God is opening a door for you to do in obedience. And you keep on praying. You keep on praying. That is how you can expect an abundant reward. Intercessory prayer is one poor friend asking bread for another poor friend. That's all it is. We in our poverty asking God to enrich somebody else in their poverty. Notice something in verse 6. If you have a mission and you have been praying for your mission, before you ever speak a word to them about the Lord, and you need to, If you're going to win somebody to Christ, you're going to have to talk about Christ. Nobody is ever saved without a verbal witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody. How shall they hear without a preacher? And you're the preacher if you have a mission. And you tell them how to be saved. But before you ever speak to them about the Lord, you need to consistently, daily, be speaking to the Lord about them. Praying for them. Praying for them. Praying for them. And God will be with you. If you want to be like Jesus, be an intercessor. Jesus on earth was an intercessor. He prayed for others. Read John 17. Lord, I'm praying for these. I'm praying for these, my disciples. I'm praying for Jerusalem. I'm praying. He was an intercessor as he walked among men. So if you want to be like Jesus, you need to be an intercessor. And you know what? Jesus is still an intercessor. He makes intercession for us right now. If you want to be like Jesus, you're going to have to be an intercessor. Now, I'm about to say two dangerous words. The two most dangerous words that a Bible preacher and a worshiper can say and a worshiper can hear. Because it changes your whole mindset. It just changes everything. And you start fiddling around. And those two words are in conclusion. So don't be fiddling around. Amen. Listen to this. you got to get this. This will help you. First of all. It is sinful to refrain from intercessory prayer. Samuel said, Samuel said, I will not sin by ceasing to pray for you, speaking to the people of Israel. It is a sin to not be an intercessor. It's selfishness is what it is. Andrew Murray a great uh, intercessor said this, Throughout the church, there is a complaint 
of defeat. The church has so little power over the masses or the educated classes. Powerful conversions are comparatively rare. The fewness of holy, consecrated spiritual Christians devoted to the service of God and their fellow men is felt everywhere. The power of the church for the preaching of the gospel to the heathen is paralyzed by the scarcity of money and men, and all owing to the lack of the effectual prayer which brings the Holy Spirit in power, first on ministers and believers, then on missionaries and the heathen. Can we deny it that the lack of prayer is the sin on account of which God's presence and power are not more manifestly seen among us? It's sinful to not be an intercessor and pray. And then, I will also tell you this. And this is very important. Do not leave this place with this idea that intercessory prayer is your duty. If you look at it as your duty you will fall and fail. It will be a burden to you. You don't become an intercessor by saying, I commit today to do my duty. I commit today to do what is required of me. You don't do anything for Jesus like that. If you do, it's called legalism. Now, I want to share something with you. The person who will tell you, well, you need to pray daily, but if you miss a day or you miss three days or you go on vacation and your schedule changes, it's okay. Don't be legalistic about it. You know, let me tell you what they're usually saying. They're usually saying, if something more important than intercessory prayer comes up in my mind, I'm not going to pray. And so I'm not saying that it is not important. And I'm not saying it should not be a priority. But what I'm saying is, is just like anything else in the Christian work that you do, you do it effectively, and you do it with passion, and you do it with love and joy and glory, when you do it by grace through faith. Paul said in the book of Galatians, Who's bewitched you so much so that you think you live the Christian life in any other way except through repentance and grace and faith? Dear friend, you do the Christian disciplines in the same way you became a Christian, by grace through faith. You pray as an intercessor because of the grace of God. Andrew Murray also said this, he does not weary us with an impractical idea or ideal. He asks us to pray no more than He gives grace to enable us to. He will give the grace to do what He asks. And so to pray that our intercessions shall day by day be a pleasure to Him and to us. A source of strength to our conscience and our work, and a channel of blessing to those for whom we labor. You intercede and become an intercessor daily by way of the grace of God. You ask God to help you. And you ask God to show in your mind and heart the sweet fellowship you have with God. In your prayer time. And I want to share with you what comes about when it's by grace. You learn that when you wake up in the middle of the night and somebody is on your mind, that that's not because you had caffeine at five o'clock. 
And it's not because you're a light sleeper. It's because the Holy Spirit of God, by His grace, is inviting you, is inviting you to be a partner in His work for that person. And you pray for them. And then you go back to sleep if you can. That's happened many times to us. Many times. So I want to ask you to do this. I want to challenge you to do this. Listen to me now. Don't be fidgeting around. This is important. This is a new day for you. In your Christian walk. And because of your intercessor, intercessor prayer, it could be a new day for somebody else. I'm going to go home, and on the second, I'm going to invest in Walmart stock. Because you, in mass, are going to go to Walmart, and you're going to buy yourselves a journal. And I'm going to get rich. Because Walmart's going to make money off you buying journals. And you write down the names of people you need to pray for. Your mission. When you're at church and you find out somebody has a need. And the Lord shows you that they have a need. You write down their name. Put the date by it. If you tell somebody, we'll be praying for you. Don't lie. Write their name down. Put the date by it. And that list is going to grow. I have, I have a stack of journals through the years. That list is going to grow. And you might have to... On the top line, write Monday. And then a few pages later, write Tuesday. And those are your prayer needs for those days all the way through the week. I talked to a man today, a preacher today. There's five preachers I pray for. I, preach, I pray for our former staff members who are in the, in the pastorate now. Um, every day, I pray for a couple of friends out preaching. And... Uh, I talked to one of them early this morning, and I said, Mike, I pray for you every Sunday morning as you prepare to preach and get up there and preach down there. And he said, I know you do, and it blesses my heart. So on Sunday, you might have some people you're praying for, and you just pour your soul out to the Lord. And if you don't know how to pray... You have the Holy Spirit helping you, and you just tell the Lord, Lord, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say right now, Lord. And you tell people, I'm praying for you. Now, let me say this. Quit telling folks our thoughts are with you. Let me tell you something. The most pagan, sinful, wicked man can think about people. But only God's people can pray for people. Amen. Somebody says to me, I'm thinking about you. What are you thinking? <laughs> if you're praying for me and you're praying wrong, I know the Holy Spirit's going to fix it before it gets to the ears of God. Amen. <laughs> I'll be all right. But you do that. Go to Walmart today. Or get an old journal or spiral notebook. And start a prayer journal. And you write down the names of people. And I want to tell you what will begin to happen. And, and this is what you do. You pray, Lord, I don't feel like doing this. It's hard to do. So, Lord, I'm going to need your grace. And, and I want to tell you what. He'll, he'll give you that grace. And, and, and you'll start finding joy in it. And you'll have an urgency about it. And you'll wake up. And that's what you'll want to do. You'll want to go to pray for people. And you'll open up that journal and you pray for them. You do that. You do that. If you're criticizing somebody, write their name down and pray for them. 
If you're mad at the preacher, write my name down. I'll probably be on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you'll even add a day of the week, morning and evening. That's all right. If you're upset with somebody, pray for them. And you ask God to help you know how to pray for them, and it'll come. His grace will give it to you. It'll come. And I want to tell you what's going to happen at our church. We're going to see more people saved. We're going to see people grow in Christ. You're going to see a noticeable difference. Those things that might irritate you about others, you're going to find the blessings in them. You might even start enjoying my sermons. That, that person who irritates you might... They might change, or God may change you. God may say, the reason they irritate you is because you need to be more like them. woo My name just got on your list again. I won't tell you what. People start being saved. Revival fires will begin to burn. If the members of First Baptist Church who are just here today will start this ministry personally in your prayer closet, in your prayer chair, wherever you pray, every day. Praying for the grace of God to be an intercessor. I want to tell you, it'll shock you what God will do. We'll see miracles. And I want to encourage you, and that's my New Year's challenge. Do it. Do it for the glory of God. You'll be blessed by it. And if you want to commit to that today, do so right now. Let's stand for our prayer and invitation time. And while you're standing, I want to say one more thing. The old song says, sweet hour of prayer. When you start out, it may not be an hour. You might struggle to get 15 minutes. And you'll fight it through. But just keep on plowing, folks. The field's not going to produce crops unless you keep on plowing. And one day you'll wake up and you're praying longer than you ever have for more people than you ever have because God counts you faithful and He burdens you with more people. And it, it'll happen and you'll be blessed by it. So don't worry about those tendencies of time and all of that and keep on praying until God gives the resolution one way or another.